Welcome to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. You're probably not that interested in the beer industry, unless you're in the beer industry. But even so, let me offer a tidbit about beer that gives us a clue as to something curious that's happening in the economy. Even though many of us have witnessed a boom in craft beer makers over the past couple of decades, this is the bottom line. A handful of beer companies control about 90% of the U.S. beer market. So what's happening to all those cute little companies? They're being squeezed out or they're being bought up. And this is not just a beer story, according to David Wessel, who used to be the economics editor at the Wall Street Journal. If you have market power in your industry, you can raise prices and innovate less. Wessel is now a senior fellow at the Brookings Institution, and he notes that in 2008, the top four U.S. airline companies ate up about 40 cents of every dollar the industry made. Now, just 10 years later, the top airline companies, they don't eat up 40 cents anymore. They eat up more than 60 cents of every dollar. And this is happening, mostly under the radar, in all sorts of other areas, from pet food to pharmaceuticals. And if you work for these companies, you might be getting a raw deal. The share of income that's going to profits is up, and the share of income that's going to labor is down. Wessel, though, is not ready to say that increasing consolidation is a terrible thing. Because when Facebook, for example, buys a new and budding app or Anheuser-Busch scoops up a craft brewer that's super popular in Nevada, that purchase could have two very different effects. Are they squashing an acorn before it can become an oak? Or are they actually taking a little oak with a good idea and spreading it rapidly through the whole economy because they have so much reach? That's one that it's really a lot of discussion among economists is what's the right way to think about this. Wessel says the reason that this is happening now and in so many different areas is, first, there have been a lot of mergers and not a lot of aggressiveness from the government in stopping them. Second, we find ourselves in a moment when being big is pretty great. Technology makes it much more efficient to have a big enterprise. That is, it's hard for a small enterprise to compete with a big one because the big one has such economies of scale. So technology can help a small company get big. Technology may make it impossible to be a small company. One area where this dynamic seems to have played out to the detriment of consumers is healthcare, where Wessel says that prices tend to spike in areas of the country with lots of hospital consolidation. Now, you might think that consolidating payroll in various hospitals and ordering Tylenol and bandages in bulk, that might allow hospitals to lower prices. Or at least, that's what you'd hope. That's not exactly what you get, says David Wessel. While healthcare is different than a lot of other services that we buy, it's not completely different. Mm -hmm. And when there is no competition, you tend to get, because the way people operate, these are often profit-seeking businesses or nonprofits that act like profit businesses, they charge as much as they can get away with. Right, right. And let's say there's a big employer in a town. They buy health insurance for their employees, and their health insurer is negotiating a network. And they give lower prices to the to get the business from this employer, right. the hospital will give lower prices. And uh, without the pressure of competition, the employer or its health insurance company simply has no leverage. Mm -hmm. If there's only one hospital in town, that's the one that people go to. I grew up in New Haven, Connecticut. There were two hospitals, one owned by Yale, one by St. Raphael's, uh, a Catholic chain. They merged. 
And as soon as they merged, all the prices at St. Raphael's went up to the level that Yale charged. Hmm. So if we thought we could force efficiencies, if we were convinced that consolidation would create more efficient or better health care, and that would show up either in lower prices or in better uh, you know, mortality and morbidity things, then we wouldn't have a problem. From my reading of the evidence, and there's quite a bit of debate about this, the hospital consolidation has not proved to promote efficiencies. It's proved to promote higher prices. Do you have a sense that on a routine basis, companies are using their power, their increasing power by being at the top and capturing more and more share of the business to quash little competitors that could, you know, take take some of the industry away from them. Right. So it's circumstantial evidence. It's like you're putting together all these pieces and you say, is this compelling? I find it compelling, but there's a lot of debate. So there are two things going on which make you worry about this. One is if businesses get really big and they dominate their industry, then they don't have to invest a lot to innovate to head off competition. Right, right. So we did until very recently see disappointing levels of business investment. And some academic research looks at business investments in concentrated industries versus others and sees a pattern there. So that would be worrisome. That suggests that they don't fear competition, so therefore they don't invest, which therefore we don't get the benefits of innovation Mm -hmm. or productivity improvements that would be forced if there was more competition. Mm -hmm. Another thing that people look at with a great deal of alarm is the shrinking number of new businesses formed in the country. And that's another way of asking, is the economy becoming less dynamic? Right. And one possible explanation is that we're getting fewer new businesses formed because they just know they're not going to make it. There's a really interesting little side argument here, one which I have a hard time making up my mind about. You know, Facebook and Google are incredibly aggressive at buying little companies. Hmm. They buy them as acorns before they can grow up to be oaks. Right. And so some people look at this and say, well, we'll never find out if there's a better Facebook or a better Amazon because anybody who starts to seem a little bit successful, they get bought up. Right. Whatever good idea they have is incorporated into the big product. All right. So here's the question. Does that give more or less incentive for people to start one of these new companies? On one hand, you're not going to become Mark Zuckerberg right. or Bill Gates right. or Steve Jobs. So that could be a downer. Instead, I'll you know do something else. On the other hand, now you know if you have like a halfway decent product and you get a few million <laughs> users, right. you don't have to wait for 10 years to do an IPO. You can just sell for $3 billion right. to Apple or Google or Facebook. I was going to say you could even make less. I mean, you could maybe make $30 million and, okay, well, maybe you're done with that product. But you've got $30 million, exactly. which you could plow into something new or you could just be rich or whatever. Right. So it's not – It's not the thing that makes this also interesting is while some people, including some uh, Democrats in Congress – Big is bad. we got to break up these companies. When you look closely, there's something going on that's worrisome. Mm -hmm. There's less competition, and that's providing less innovation and less productivity growth. But it's not simple enough to say all mergers should be defeated, everybody's bad. And I should say, this is a real live issue. Right now, the government's going to have to decide whether to go from four cell phone companies to three, this Mm -hmm. Sprint T-Mobile merger. And this is the kind of issue that people are grappling with now in real time. It's not just some academic exercise. 
I'm Kara Miller. You're listening to Innovation Hub. I'm talking with David Wessel, a senior fellow in economic studies at the Brookings Institution. He's the author of the recent Harvard Business Review article, Is Lack of Competition Strangling the U.S. Economy? We will link to it at our website, innovationhub.org. Can you think of an industry or a company where you felt like there was some sort of active quashing of like, no, this is an interesting craft beer, you know, craft brewery. I'll snap this up and then they won't be my competition anymore. Well, what happens in beer, I think, is there are a lot of craft breweries. Right. But when you look, a lot of them are partly owned by the big guys. Hmm. So they're finding a way to – it's almost a marketing thing. I know everybody doesn't like to buy something that says Budweiser or Anheuser-Busch or Michelob. Right. So I'll invest in these little things. And you, then we decide. I mean, there is some evidence from antitrust trials that prices go up have gone up for beer as a result of this. I think one of the most interesting is is pharmaceuticals, Mm -hmm. where companies, the big companies, have been very aggressive at trying to prevent price competition for drugs. One of the ones that's most frustrating, and the, the Food and Drug Administration is trying to deal with this now, goes something like this. I make a product... It's no longer protected on patent. Yeah. So what's supposed to happen is a generic maker can make it. Right. And then for way the cheaper. Price, for way cheaper. For way cheaper. Right. And that pushes down the price and we all live happily ever after. Mm-hmm. Some drugs have particularly bad side effects. So the government has said if you make this drug that has particularly bad side effects, like it might cause birth defects if someone takes us pregnant, mm-hmm. we want to have a very restrictive uh, system of distribution so that it's not inadvertently given to somebody and it'll have bad effects, but we still want it to be used where appropriate. Okay. So some of the makers of these drugs have told the generic companies, well, I'm sorry, but because of the government, we can't let you have a sample of this drug because it's on this restricted distribution thing. And if we give it to you, you know, you might by inadvertently use it on some pregnant woman. Well, without the sample, they can't come up with a generic. So there's all sorts of games that are being played hmm. by big pharma to kind of discourage competition, it's getting increasing amounts of attention. You know, we commissioned a paper by an economist at Yale, uh, Fiona Scott Morton, Morton, and she had like 20 things that were going on in the drug industry where big pharma was stomping on competition, and she was encouraging the Federal Trade Commission and the Food and Drug Administration to act. Do you think that in aggregate, when you step back and you look at from hospital chains to airline tickets to pet food to beer, do you think that consumers are paying higher prices because of this phenomenon where in all sorts of industries, the few big companies are getting bigger and bigger slices of the pie in the last 10, 20, 30 years? Given how little inflation there's been lately, it's really hard to make the argument that somehow prices are skyrocketing because of this concentration. So I'm more worried that it's not now raising prices, but it threatens to raise prices in the future, and we're getting fewer innovations and less productivity growth than we would if we had more competition. Okay. What's it doing to wages? Because if you work, for example, in the airline industry, um, and and the power is increasingly being consolidated you may have fewer and fewer choices about where you work, and it means nobody has to pay you a particularly competitive wage because, like, you don't have a lot of choices. Well, one of the things when I looked across the economy that really leaps out at you is 
the growing body of research that suggests that something is going on in the labor market that is similar to what we're going on in the product and service markets. Okay. That is, increasingly in some industries and in some communities, there are fewer employers and the big employers dominate. Okay. And there is a growing body of evidence that this is reducing wages. That is, like there's a, uh, some economists uh, who recently did a paper, and they used uh, data from the website Career Builder. And they looked at over 8,000 local labor markets. And they basically said where there has been an increase in the fraction of people working for big employers in that community, wages are lower. Huh. When did things start to change? Like, how did we get to a place where we have the top companies in so many industries eating such a big piece of the pie uh, and leaving so little else for other companies? And that was not necessarily true. It was much less true a generation ago. How did this happen in the last generation? Well, you're right. And I think that it reflects two different things. One is this mindset on antitrust, which meant fewer mergers were opposed. That began really in the 80s. And then the second thing is the how much technology has evolved. And so, you know, think about how much bigger Facebook, Google, Amazon are today than they were in 2000. That's just an illustration of how technology has allowed some companies to get really big and claim a big part of the market. Do you feel like this trend is going to continue that, that we are now on this trajectory where it's hard to slow down the big companies from getting even bigger? I think it will continue until there's a political reaction that says enough is enough. Right. And so we see, for instance, the Trump administration is fighting a merger of AT&T and Time Warner. And that's not a merger of two companies that are in the same business trying to get a bigger market share. It's what they call a vertical merger. And the government is arguing, apparently in court from the press accounts without much success, that if you allow a content company and a pipeline company to merge, they'll have too much power. So they're testing the limits of that. I think whether the government decides to object to the T-Mobile and Sprint merger is a really significant thing. Okay. But I think over time, it'll, yes, I think it will change but I don't think it's going to change anytime soon because it's so hard to stand up against the forces of technology, and it's so hard to change the case law on antitrust, and it's so hard to change the mindset. A different presidential administration might come in with kind of a coherent strategy. We want to promote competition. But in the current environment, it seems to be we want to get rid of regulation, Hmm. whether they're pro-competitive or not. David Wessel is a senior fellow in economic studies at the Brookings Institution. He's also author of the recent Harvard Business Review article, Is Lack of Competition Strangling the U.S. Economy? We will link to it at our website, innovationhub.org. David, thank you so much. You're welcome. Also at our website, we'll link to an interview I did a couple years back about how mergers may have particularly hurt the Midwest. It's a conversation that has stuck in my head and that makes a compelling case about how consolidation has reshaped communities. (laughs) 